0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwan, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. I'm also the author of Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, and my goal is to decode exactly how to design a life that really matters, because if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If you're new to the show, take a deep breath. Almost everything is trivial. Only a few things are essential, and that's what this show is all about. My job is is to interview, get deep, really, with authors, entrepreneurs, psychologists, and everyday people to help explore what's essential so that we can eliminate everything else. Through a process of listening, unpacking, and going deep with each guest, we turn each episode into practical advice for intentionally planning and living in order to move forward. If you enjoy this podcast, if it means something to you, then... Why not suggest it to family and friends and even earn a reward? For the month of December, we're launching a special referral program that both you and your friends, colleagues, co-workers, and more will benefit from. They have a chance to get introduced to the What's Essential podcast and you can qualify for some exclusive referral rewards as a thank you for sharing it. All the details can be found in the What's Essential podcast description. Running like a gold thread through this episode is the idea that what we say yes to and what we say no to is not as simple as this moment. There are deep stories, a deeper narrative behind why we do what we do. And as we create space to explore where we've come from, what led us to make the decisions we've been making, we can start to be liberated and create a new story. Listen to this episode if you're trying to make a transition to a more essentialist life but feel there are deeper experiences and narratives holding you back. Now, here we go with Vanessa Guzman. Vanessa, you emailed me, and I am looking through the email right now. You've read the book several years ago, and it wasn't until recently when you started reading the one-minute newsletters that you remembered growing apart from the values that were taught in essentialism. This year has been particularly interesting, to say the least. I married my husband in October 2019, wrote a book, built a business in empowerment and coaching and corporate consulting, quit the job of 10 years, had sorry, two miscarriages all in the past year, uh, and yes, of course, the pandemic too. You're a volunteer for coaching children in fitness and emotional intelligence. You care for two older parents, one of which has dementia and cancer. Again, very sorry. The other, my mother, who's so different from who I am, requires a lot of support given all that I describe. Both lack educational and health literacy, Spanish speaking only. Hmm. I feel that we live in a world that provides us so many options to communicate, express, and link with all sorts of relationships and social engagement, uh, even through COVID. My husband and I Both in our mid-30s, looking to build a family as per my prior comment, part of me knows the timing is welcome to welcome babies back in May and August was not the right time for me, which is why neither pregnancy led to live births. I didn't really know how to care for myself. Still a work in progress. I have a difficult time expressing to my husband how he can help, which can lead to frustration when I feel overworked. I've seen great success in my business to the point of exhaustion. I understand your principles so well that I too teach them as part of my coaching classes. My question is how to see the wise and gain momentum when you're in the midst of the transition, meaning for me, from exhaustion to enlightenment. I'd like to be in a place of peace, but engagement with that what's most essential? How do I recognize what's most essential? I feel so mechanical that I'm having a hard time feeling who's most essential in addition to myself. Maybe that's the answer, only myself at the moment. How do I remain responsible for my commitments while transitioning? My husband and I are looking to move, I'm yearning for a change. How do I know this is the right time and where and for what purpose? I sincerely want to change, but finding that following select tips and approach only go so far until I lose momentum and stuck going back to old habits. I'd hate to see us not building a family because of the internal discourse I'm experiencing and lack of ability to move slowly and steadily. Looking forward to your feedback. Um, you got more than you bargained for.
1: <laughs> yeah, very much.
0: It's really nice to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Thank you for making time, for reaching out, for emailing me in the first place.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Vanessa, there's a lot in that email. When you hear me read that back to you, what comes to mind? How do you feel?
1: It's overwhelming to the point that I want to cry when I heard you read through it. It's been a challenging year for me, but for everyone really. But there's been a lot of great, comfortable, changes and there's been uncomfortable events, as you've learned, and, and it's overwhelming. Although I, I feel that I have this great spirit that keeps me going, part of me is, is really looking to just relax and just take care of myself for just a minute and beyond, which is really why I reached out to you. Because I I really feel there could be an opportunity for me to just focus on myself the way that I know I deserve.
0: Mm. There's a lot of emotion in you as you respond to yourself. (laughs) As you hear your own words, you can feel the depth of the loss and of the drain of the last year it feels
1: very draining. And part of, as you were reading, there were old belief system attributes that surfaced, which is, you know, the old mentality of, of me being first generation in America and learning early on that, you know, I could do it all. So why not do it all? And my ties to my family, you know, they're very important to me, which is why I prioritized their well-being as much as I can. So it's, it's been years of giving a lot of myself to the world, but not necessarily enough for myself.
0: You don't resent having served?
1: No, not at all. I, I love serving. I have the heart of a servant. So I love it. It's one of my love languages. I display it, I think, in every aspect of my life, and I enjoy it a lot.
0: But. In this moment, you feel there's a part of you that feels shattered.
1: Very much is a new season for me. I've seen a lot of success and growth through the years, but my body is calling for a mega change in the ways that I've learned that have got you know, and I'm so blessed to have have had the energy the intellect the growth to do so much for others and for my career and for myself and and just bringing i i hope right uh paving the way for many generations to come but at the same time uh, my spirit is is very much fatigue
0: it's not just fatigue that i hear in you it's such deep depletion that it, it's robbed you of the joy of success. I remember when I had Ariana Huffington on the podcast and she told her story about when she wakes up in in a pool of her own blood and she'd hit her head on a table, she passed out. And, and when she learns that it's all just because of basically of fatigue and deep fatigue, she says, isn't success supposed to feel better than this?
1: Yes. Absolutely. That's exactly, I feel the success. I, I feel the greatness and the blessings that I have around me. When I sometimes end my day or even in the middle of the day, I feel that my body's like, I just want to nap. And I always thought to myself that when I reached a point that I was comfortable in in areas of my life, which I am, that that's when I would make a shift to relaxing. But clearly, I've burnt myself out in the process of doing that. I never felt, in, especially in my 20s, that I had much of an option of being an essentialist, essentially, right? There were a lot of barriers.
0: It's not an option. You've got parents depending on you. You've got to navigate this world. You've got to be the voice in so many formal settings where you're translating. And you're being a young adult, even, well, I'm reading into it, but even as you're a teenager and even younger. And so you've carried that burden for a long time and you felt like this is just necessary. This is survival.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. And when you're in survival mode, I never thought of the things that I I usually would think about when I'm in thriving mode, right? Right. Because you're just trying to make it to the next step, the next day, the next project. Not to mention life still is happening in between that, right? Like life never stops happening. So listening to my body was not much of an option. I would wake up extremely tired and I would just keep going because something, I was needed somewhere. Or I was trying, let's say, to prove myself at work, right? to compensate, to break some of the cycles, right? So that I would get in a leadership position where I could influence the system. I didn't feel comfortable being a follower. I wanted to be part of the change, which I am. Uh, That's where I'm at today. Uh, I have great credibility with the work that I'm doing, but my body obviously has taken a toll.
0: You have invested you are proud of what you have done
1: very very much so uh and i love what i do and i love the relationships and i love the the neat things i get to do in healthcare and for for my community and i love every part of it which is where there is always that you know tug of war of like how do i continue doing all these beautiful things that i know i'm doing but at the same time, just love myself a, a little bit more because I don't often, or at least until recently, learn what that even was.
0: Tell me, what do you mean when you learned recently what that even was? What did you learn?
1: I think after especially the second miscarriage, um, there was so much I didn't know about my own body, right? So it's not when you're you know, getting tests done or talking to your doctors. That I learned that i'm like oh i should I should probably rest more and, I, and not because i I want to conceive or for the for the future baby, but because my body carries me all the time and and it's not getting like your hair done or your nails done like like we call self care these ep- more episodic things that we do for ourselves for me self care meant a greater appreciation for the value that I bring to this earth and honoring the things that are necessary for it to thrive, um, not just survive. And that, that changed the way that I, that I eat, the way that I exercise, prioritizing my day. So it wasn't until those two events happened that all of a sudden my, my day started looking a bit more differently and no, <laughs> saying no became a bit easier for me, which has been a, stru- a long life struggle.
0: Those experiences led to a change really in your self-identity that you said, I'm a part of the equation of my life. It's, it's part of the equation of success that I am healthy that I am an asset, that I am uh, important, essential. Not in some selfishness, but in a clear sense that I genuinely do matter. I matter.
1: And I matter to the extent that I of what's important to me in order for me to be fully present in the things that I love doing. I am essential, so that was really what became very very clear if these are the things if these are my drivers, then the passenger has to be fully present in herself and Although I knew that you know I learned that conceptually i've I think I've learned that at a very early age, it wasn't until some of these life events occurred that it was like a wake-up call. And although people may, may look at it, you know, which it was a, a loss, a physical loss, um, for me, it was an internal blessing. Because based on the how I know things generally work, is that wake-up calls turn into greater and bigger things, and it snowballs into more complicated things. If you don't act upon what the world is saying, what your body's saying to you. And, and I just feel that, that this is the time. Um, Right before I emailed you, I had one of the, one of your newsletters was about, you know, asking yourself what's most essential today uh, and asking that question, every morning Mm -hmm. and ever since so now we're talking about you know two or so months ago that's what i've been doing and the answer generally is something about myself that's new that's new to me uh you Mm. would have asked that question six months ago and it would have Mm. definitely been something related to work or or someone else's need which for me growing up i was taught that Giving, doing, were all traits of you being a good person. So although I love doing those things, I'm a good person by pure existence. So it helped me also redefine how I look at myself and the role that I have in this world, which is very powerful as long as I protect it.
0: You're not only a value when you're bringing value to someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. It it sounds like, to use the metaphor you used before of driving in the car, that it used to be entirely about getting the other people somewhere. Mm -hmm. But now you can see that if you don't invest in you, no one's getting anywhere safely. That's just not going to happen. Eventually, it won't be sustainable. That's correct. So here you are now. You've begun this new journey. You're, a, in some ways, you're just a couple of months into it. Yeah. And you're still in recovery. Very much. And it's almost like discovering this new Pain point, or this, it's almost like discovering a bank account you didn't know about (laughs) that's like really, really overdrawn. (laughs) Right. You got a bunch of bank accounts, they're all looking fine. And then suddenly someone goes, Oh, well, have you seen this one? And you're like, Oh my goodness, that needs to be invested in. And I can't pay that all off in one day. I'm going to have to create a payment plan. I'm going to have to create a way to invest in this, to get out of this mental, emotional, physical debt.
1: I agree. I, I completely agree. And I am beginning to learn what those things are, right? What's going to fill the tank um, or the bank account in this case. I'm not used to that. I've been pushing for 35 years um and i know that well if you were to ask me how to how do you get from point a to point b and i would give you a number of solutions um and but something i i don't know much of myself is more of the silent calm state even my voice has changed and the way i talk has changed over time i would say over the course of 35 years but especially in the last year there's been certainly a change in pace and that's been the theme this year. There's been a lot of um, bigger and and smaller things that have required me to kind of wait, um, almost I imagine like a yellow light, right? And just kind of slow down or wait, which for me means it's been preparing me for this, right? For this period of slow as molasses, which is where I want to be.
0: That's an interesting idea to me. That. After having pushed so much, you want to be slow,
1: yeah, I just love even the way that you just said it right now. that's what's speaking to me right now. steady still enjoying right the treasures that, that I have. I have my family, I have my husband, I have best friends who I love so much, um and I just want to see. Empty your slots on my calendar so that I can savior that, those feelings and and those connections that I've made over the years, and really focus my energy on those things that bring me the greatest joy, which is community work, and I love that, but I often don't have as much time to dedicate because it's I'm managing. I feel like an octopus, um, touching too many things, so it makes me happy.
0: There's an abnormal pace that has become normal. And one that you believed was required for survival. Yes. And maybe it was. Very. Hard. But now it isn't required anymore.
1: No, it, 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 that pace doesn't serve me anymore. Part of my story growing up and the belief system that you form um, as a woman, as a Latina woman in particular, when a woman of color, you're, you're always in a state mm. of compensating, of doing a little bit more to make sure that you are, mm. you're known, right. That you are, that you belong, that, that people recognize your efforts and being rewarded for it, I think as a, as an early age, I was told, "Nice job, Vanessa," many times f- for that behavior. You know, promotions, ton of promotions early on. I would always become the leader very quickly. So there were rewards for that pace, for those abilities, and that led me to believe that that was the right way to go. And I've come to realize that maybe, maybe not, right? I could have gotten there or not with a different pace. I'm appreciative that what happened happened as it did, but could have been differently. And I don't want to miss out on this new experience that is blossoming within me.
0: Mm. That's powerful what you said, because you're open to the idea that maybe it wasn't required. You you can never know. You can't go back and relive it. But with your new insight, with your new feeling and this growing wisdom, you say, well, what if I just thought that was what was necessary?
1: Sometimes I even have experienced anxiety from not having something on the schedule Or just doing the same activity for a long period of time, like watching TV, that creates anxiety because I'm not used to having that much time for leisure or free time in general. So that's part of the transition that I mentioned in my email is referring to when one has the willingness, the openness, understands the concept But in this middle slow-mo piece, right, where you're pulling away, discarding all your old beliefs and building new ones, with the energy that I have, right, from the place where I'm at today, which is quite exhausting, how do you push forward?
0: I'm beginning to see the dilemma, but let me make sure you can see a different way to do life. You've tasted it. You've glimpsed it. You want more of it. But the current reality outside of you is still expecting the old way of thinking and living from you. And now as older, wiser, you can see that and you're trying to make this transition. So the question I think you're asking, the, the essence of it is, how do I, I think the word is, how do I gracefully transition?
1: Yes, that's exactly it. That was the piece that um, I was probably most concerned about was the the reality, the the practicality of applying essentialism in so many areas of my life. And And my relationships um, and just how I handle my day-to-day and my responsibilities too, right? As a grown adult with a business. And um, my heart has has been telling me all along, just step-by-step. But that's very different than obviously my old conditioning.
0: And and that's the thing that's under the rock of this conversation. It's sort of there but just out Mm -hmm. of reach so far in the conversation is the others yeah i'm thinking you mean your husband your work colleagues yeah it's it's just how how does this affect them and how do i communicate to them what i'm trying to do and how do i bring them with me Right. on this journey
1: right my my husband and family they're all for it um this is something they they're all very very eager to see more of the side of me um mm. so they they're they're eager.
0: they're eager for it they're ready they're for eager. it they're, encu- they're, they're encouraging eager. you
1: <laughs> absolutely um you the know one I,
0: thing we the the one thing we want more from you is less
1: yes that's very much, I can imagine speaking to my husband or my sister, my best friend, and they would be like, that's lovely. That's just beautiful. This is exactly where you want to be. And my husband has said many times that I've, I've come so close to making that leap. But then like something happens where I say, well, you know, I have this project or I have this issue. I ha-. There's always something that kind of prevents me from going fully fully into that into that new version and I promised him maybe a week ago that that won't happen again I'm fully committed to making the necessary changes at a pace that's unnatural to me but will become natural to me
0: that's what you're describing is that's the word from what you've said so far. It's pace. It's not a reduction in, in passion. It's not a reduction in gratitude or in the feeling that you want to make a contribution. It's how do we ensure the right pace so that you can get everyone to come along with you and so that you yourself can create not an essentialist sprint but an essentialist lifestyle
1: since i've read your book i think it's i've been doing the sprints so i have a good um season and and i stick to it and then when i fall i fall i fall hard and it's almost like a like a crash
0: diet right it's no different i want to get more precise When you say you've been sprinting before, like concretely, what is it you've been doing and then falling off from doing? What are the practices that you get on and off with?
1: The most common one is my schedule. I manage so many different activities that I find myself consolidating three schedules um, today. Um, And I start by blocking time out right i have my midday meditation or you know <laughs> the lunch right and Sorry, then but the
0: way the way that you said i start blocking out time the tone in your voice oh. is like Priceless. i don't do any of that no. but i block it <laughs> i mean i'm i'm following the first step of the process
1: right and then it's like, oh, it's okay to take that phone call. Like, I'm free. And I forgot why, like, there was a block for a reason. It was not to talk to anyone. It was for some self something. And um, so I, I fall off over time. I, on average, I'm I'm good for, like, generally, like, three to six months. And then I find myself working later or taking on additional activities, which I love doing, but then I don't, essentially what I'm saying is the cal- the calendar doesn't have the capacity to hold on to all these different things and be sane and healthy at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the trigger for the old behavior?
1: Usually there's a need to fix something very quickly. So in the past has been when my, Let's say my parents needed me for something and there's going things going on there and and I'm I go all in, right? So I go all in with most things that present. Or like if a friend needs me for something and I go all in, usually the triggers where I'm needed, if there's something that, that needs to get done, or there's a need, whether it's work or personal, even at home, I give so much of myself that there's not much left for myself if that makes
0: sense. Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense. The the all in this idea second mile. If somebody needs me I'm there with horns <laughs> on, man. I mean, th- this right. is but it's not the whole thing. It could be more than the whole thing. More than the request. A, a principle that I have come across and am um, experimenting with is the idea of go the first mile. Like not everything has to be the second mm-hmm. mile. Like going the second mm-hmm. mile is a true principle, but that doesn't right. mean you have to apply it every time. Right. And so I wonder if the next time you're needed, you can actually pause and ask, what is actually being asked mm, for? That's important. And to not assume that because they asked for A, you also need to do B, C, D, and E. So I think it's having like a toolkit for these need-based Interruptions or requests. When a need is raised for me, I wonder if you could literally, we could create the beginning of it right now, a checklist. The first checklist item might be what is actually being asked for? Just asking that question, writing it down, even just pausing, write it down. What is the request? Second thing I think could be check the calendar so that now you're looking at the reality that you've outlined, putting it on the calendar. (laughs) I mean, I know it sounds so obvious, but I think that might be checkbox three is putting it on the calendar because then you don't pretend that you can do everything you had originally planned plus this additional thing oh i'll just kind of do it all i'll just and if you are blocking something new if you say okay this will take up the space today that i was going to spend taking a walk at lunch or whatever was in your block or just sitting and thinking that block goes somewhere so that at least you're being more conscious of what what's coming your way what else should be on the checklist i think
1: Options of it might be that even though it was asked, I don't have to do it. There, there are things that I think I could say no to. So, so my strategy has been either no, if it's a clear no, or later, right? So checking the calendar, I still do that, but maybe it's it's usually not urgent. Right. Um, in my head it might be, but it's not in reality urgent. So giving options of something that's later, if if it's you know available, accessible to us. And then determining and then booking it, and then apply check, you know, check mark number three, which is putting it on the calendar if if yes, right? If yes or later, or yes like now. Um but I think we need a no option, a yes to no option somewhere.
0: I think so, and in this this checklist, which we're just beginning here, um, helps you to not rely on your intuition in this moment or, or your reactive I- emotion, mm-hmm. which I think pulls from right. the push mentality, right very much you need you need very a pause much. checklist and and i think that checklist literally you write it out you print it up you put it somewhere in your office wherever you see it when the request comes in you you are actually looking through each item okay because you want not the 10 year old perspective to govern you. Correct. You want the today version 2.0 or even 3.0 I mean this is like this is like a checklist yeah. from the future. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. So that you don't get so dislodged from the habits and design that you're that you're currently making. So the, right. there's only how do you feel about the checklist idea?
1: I love the checklist. Um, can I add something else to the chat? Yeah, please. What is my role in this thing that's being asked? Because remember, one of my habits has been to go the second mile, right? So if someone asks for advice on, let's say, reading a paper that they wrote, um, what 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 is the expectation or what do I commit to? Sometimes I wind up editing the whole thing right versus giving just general feedback which could be the first mile um Mm -hmm. you know so my habit is to jump all the way and I think I've done it because of many thank yous and you know that instant like oh that's great you're great Vanessa right like those those words of of affirmation have (laughs) really really, uh, had an impact on me over the years. And, you know, the old version of Vanessa is saying, well, that's, that's great. That's a good thing. You're a good human by doing that, by going the extra. And so we definitely need a safeguard and add it to the checklist.
0: I think the, the second thing I would imagine for you is it's, it comes as a warning which is don't try to be an essentialist on your own. Have everybody you can read it together. Everybody. And that's what I have learned by watching people. I I haven't taught that and then seen the consequence. I have been taught that by successful essentialists who have created teams of essentialism and culture around essentialism inside of organizations and so on that's what they have done they don't just read it like hey it's just a book club they read it with the sense of hey let's create something different here and we don't know how to do it but we're all going to read this and wrestle with it together and i just think the the you know getting everybody around you to do this and engaging in conversation so that you can develop new muscles with each other where other people can protect you even from yourself. That's an ideal circumstance eventually to achieve.
1: Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I think accountability partners are are essential to, to be an essentialist or or to drive many changes in life. And many of us, some of my friends, I know my husband, several of us are, are looking to live in that, in that lifestyle. So it's worth creating a fun, you know, team effort here for all of us, for our individual path to, to really be accountable for, for ourselves, but also for each other um, in a way that we're all in this together
0: and i think that's exactly what you need to say i think you just say to people i used to do it i used to be 1.0 and this is how i did it i want to be 3.0 which i have achieved it i have become a different kind of person and we've got a different lifestyle we're achieving better results but in a less exhausting way but i'm in st- still in the middle and I could go either way. And so I just need your help. And to not be afraid to just say it that way. And, and let's help each other to create a different future.
1: I love that. This has been enlightening to me. So I just want to thank you. Um, and all my versions <laughs> are thanking you right now. Because including the future ones because I think we all heard you loud and clear. And the way that you broke this down and allowing me to share my story with you was very important, because it was important for me to, for you to understand where these belief systems came from. And I felt that. So thank you for, for that. And And for any of your audience, I think, who's listening, I hope that this story speaks to them too.
0: Mm. Uh, Vanessa, you've been a terrific guest on the What's Essential podcast. And that point runs like a gold thread through this episode, is that what we say yes to, what we say no to, is not as simple as this moment. There are deep stories, a a deeper narrative behind why we do what we do. And as we create space to explore where we've come from, what led us to make decisions in the way we make decisions, we can start being liberated to create a new story. Mm -hmm and And really, you're the one that's done this today. My job has just been sort of to listen and and you've helped construct for us this almost three act play, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. I want to end on that theme that somehow in some sort of mm, miraculous way, there are moments in life where it is as if our future self speaks to us, encourages us, helps us to go forward. And your future self seems to be saying to you today, you're going to make this. It's going to work out. You keep going, do it steadily, do it in a paced way, but it's going to work out so you can breathe. And enjoy this journey. Because you don't have to be pushing Mm. at the very edge in order to achieve it. You're going to get there. In the relaxed version of you, will do it. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Bye for now.
1: Thank you, Greg.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, I want to remind you, suggest to you to share it with friends and family in a way that you can earn a reward. For the month of December, we will be launching a special referral program, as I mentioned at the beginning, that both you, your friends, colleagues, coworkers can benefit from. They have a chance to be introduced to the What's Essential podcast, and you get exclusive rewards for doing it. It's a good win-win. All the details can be found in the What's Essential podcast description. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch, and that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else.